Welcome to the Stuff and Junk Show, where we share our opinions on random subjects from interesting news, social topics, pop culture, our likes and dislikes, things we've seen, heard or read, to what we did and what we do. You know, Stuff and Junk. Hello, my name is Albert. Hello, my name is Albert. I'm actually by myself here. Uh, no routine, no jumping here. I am pretty much all by myself. Well, and my, my trusted companion, the soundboard. Say hi, soundboard. Hello there. So, um, I'm going to make this episode quick since I'm by myself here. Uh, I was going to talk about my uh, experience going to see Metallica, except not in a, in a concert venue, but in a movie theater, right? They, they had their S&M 2, their sequel to the, the, the collaboration they did with the San Francisco Orchestra in opening the Chase Center recently. But they did it in the 90s. So this is like the sequel to that, right? And obviously not everybody can go to the Chase Center in San Francisco when they, when they, when they performed it. Uh, so they went ahead and filmed it and released it in the movie theaters uh, roughly almost a month later, right? So this is... The, Metallica is the only band that I've ever been to to a movie theater to watch them perform in a movie theater. Except not in the movie theater because they're in the screen. Does that make sense? Does that, does that make sense, Sunborn? Nope. Okay, well, um, I'll try and make it clear next time. But either way, it, it was a great show um, as a movie screen. Going into the movie theater, though, I was not sure how the reaction was going to be from the crowd. Is Are they going to treat it like a movie theater? Or are they going to treat it like a concert? It was a little bit of both. Uh, there are people who, like in concerts, they're on their phone. You know, they're taking pictures and videos, <laughs> me included, right? So on my Instagram, you can see I, I, I took a picture, I took some videos, which is weird because they're not really there. It's just a movie screen, right? And then people, there are people who are clapping. There are people who, who kind of uh, sing, sang along. I know I did, but I did it like quietly within my area of where I was sitting. Because uh, once again, it's in a movie theater, so it's 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 weird. It's weird, but yeah, it, it was a nice experience. Um, if I think Metallica is the only band I'll do this for, we'll see, we'll see, but. How's that, soundboard? Okay. Okay, I love your enthusiasm there. All right, so on this uh, 258th episode of the show, um, I'm going to continue the, the, the tradition that we've been... Tradition? I've been continuing the trend that we've been doing this month of October, Halloween segments. So we're going to be talking about... We, huh, I'm going to talk about the best Halloween songs according to Ranker.com. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll do that. I'm going to do what's going on. And that's pretty much it. I'm just going to keep it that, that nice and short. So on we go to the next segment. So on the uh, Ranker.com, which is pretty much uh, a website where regular people rank things. That's why it's called Ranker.com. Duh. Uh, thank you for that soundboard. But in this one, I, I, originally I wanted to try and do a thing where I was going to talk about Halloween songs that you hardly ever hear, but to just to keep it simple, on Ranker they do have, uh, let's see, what's it called here? The best Halloween songs. I guess flat out best Halloween songs. They have over 11.4 thousand votes, uh, 1.1 thousand voters, 62,000 views, and there are 131 songs in this list. Obviously, the number one song is Monster Mash. That's obviously... It goes out to Thriller, Ghostbusters, let's put a spell on you, this is Halloween, somebody's watching me. Okay, interesting. Uh, time Warp from Rocky Horrors on the, on, in the top 10, 
Number don't fear the reapers in the top ten. Huh, Highway to Hell by ACDCs in the top eleven. So so they they have a bunch of stuff here, but I, I figured I'll go ahead and talk about the ones that that aren't in the top twenty. Oddly enough, Dead Man's Party is not in the top twenty. Number twenty three, and it has to be on the list. Yeah, it has to be higher. I don't know. Maybe I I, I don't know. But here, um, just for that, I'm gonna go ahead and play Boingo Boingo's Dead Man's Party. So Deadman's Party was released in August 1985. It's it's pretty much been a staple in pop culture. A lot of, a lot of movies, TV shows use it. I mean, it's a very easy song to use for certain things. I mean, Deadman's Party, right? And apparently this song is about attending a funeral and being buried. Hmm, okay. Right. Uh, looking down the list some more. Uh, let's see. Let's see, Deadman's Party was number 23 in the rankers list currently right now. And let's see, uh, how about, oh, this is a nice one I like, Abracadabra by the Steve Miller Band, number 35. Let's go ahead and play a little bit of that. Abracadabra was released in was recorded the night in 1981, released May 1982. Oh, cool. Origins, let's see. The song is said to have been inspired by the American singer Diana Ross. Hmm. Really, really. Uh the lyrics round and round and round it goes, where it stops, nobody knows, are a reference to the spinning wheel segment from the original amateur hour. Okay. I'm not sure how, how this relates to Halloween. But but magic, abracadabra. Maybe that's what it is. Okay, whatever. All right, moving on. Let's see. Going on the list. Uh, how about Running with the Devil by Van Halen? Made it to number 41 on the list. So here we go. Van Halen, Running with the Devil. Rhyming the Devil was released in May 6, 1978, and apparently the song's lyrics have often been misinterpreted, misinterpreted but as being satanic, yet the members have never revealed the full meaning of the song. Oh, so was the life of a touring as a young band uh, deals with individual experiences, including that a simple lifestyle is not as simple as it appears. The lyrics running with the devil are usually interpreted as being a reference to freedom. Hmm. 
once again, even though the name Running with the Devil sounds like it should fit perfectly well in a Halloween party, uh, the meanings, I guess, kind of does not. But whatever. All right, let's see. Moving on. What, are, what other stuff do we have here? We also have, oh, The Misfits. Halloween. Halloween by The Misfits. All right, let's get some punk rock here. Halloween by the Misfits was released on October 31st, 1981. Oh, <laughs> released on Halloween night. Nice. Uh, lyrics to Halloween 2. There's Halloween 2? Oh, okay. Uh, are in non-standard Latin, translating to ancient formulas of blah, 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 blah. Oh, huh, okay. Well, how about Halloween 1? What does that mean? Oh, I don't know. Halloween, whatever. All right, moving along. As I can keep things going here. Uh, see, going on the list, going on the list. Oh, uh, this is weird. The Love Cats by The Cure. Why is the Love Cats a Halloween? Whatever, let's play it. Love Cats was released in uh, October 18, 1983. Well, I guess near Halloween season also. Is that the reason why it's uh, it's in Halloween stuff? Uh, let's see. Apparently, it has to do with the work of Australian author Patrick White. According to a number of his fans, Smith was inspired to write the Love Cats after reading White novels, The Vivisector. Hmm, okay, all right. Uh, White draws a parallel between the way in which the cats are discarded and the treatment of certain characters in the book. By extension, the cat symbolizes the most innocent and vulnerable members of society and the casual cruelty with which they sometimes meet their fate. Okay. All right. Let's do just uh, one more. One more? Or is that it? I think that's it. Yeah, that's it. Let's, let's end it there. So what do you think, Soundboard? Affirmative. All right. All right, then. Moving on. As of this recording, it's currently 9.59 p.m. on October 16, 2019 in Casa de la Who What Worse Why? <laughs> and it's time to take a look and see what's going on. All right. Apparently, teens are saying that parents share too much about them online. I think this is a, a survey done by Microsoft. Oh, Microsoft of all people. It says here that... Uh, uh, more than four in ten. Okay, let's see. Blah 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 blah. Forty-two percent of teenagers in twenty-five countries say they have a problem with their parents posting about them on social media. Of that sum, eleven percent say it's a big problem. Fourteen percent say it's a medium concern, and seventeen percent consider it a small issue. So two-thirds of teens say they're falling victim to at least one online risk at some point with the same percentage worried uh, that a similar negative online experience will happen to them again. 
Yeah, I think in general, um, you know, you have friends. We have friends with kids who share pictures of their kids, right? Yes, sir. Well, my opinion has been is that, okay, if you want to share pictures of your kids, that's fine. But don't share about them too much for obvious reasons. Eventually, the kids, like like this service says, it's not going to appreciate it. So uh, I know that social media is the best way to share your kid picture with your rest of your friends and families. It's a very easy way to do it. But there is a thing as oversharing. So uh, don't overshare. Uh, speaking of sharing, though, uh, recently Google did their big giant mating Google announcements. They covered, you know, uh, the Pixel 4, the Pixel Buds, the Nest Mini, the Pixel Book Go, all that kind of stuff. But the, the one big news that I got from that event was that apparently they're not anymore allowing people to get unlimited original quality photo and video backups with the, starting with the Google Pixel 4. Actually, it started with the Google Pixel 3 and 3a, but everybody kind of just assumed that, well, because they're, they're the, 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 the low-end model, so of course they wouldn't give you the free original uh, uncompressed quality backup to the Google Photo Cloud like they've given to Google One, uh, Google Pixel 1, Pixel 2, Pixel 3, uh, kind of really. So Google One, speaking of Google One, Google One is, by the way, their new version of Google Drive. I think that's the reason why Google isn't anymore allowing uh, free unlimited backups for our, our photo and video to Google Photos anymore with the Google Pixel 4, uh, which is very unfortunate. That is, I would say, the killer app, the killer feature for the Google Pixel line. I've always said that. A lot of people say it's the camera, which is partly true. I'm mostly true. But for me, it's always been the unlimited uh, backups, free backups of the original quality, the uncompressed quality of the photos and videos that you take in the photo. There's nothing like taking photos and videos, videos in like high-quality 4K and high quality photos and not have to worry about where it's going to go to be saved up because it was going to be free in the cloud kind of thing. Uh, but I guess now Google said like, yep, we've been, we, 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 we need an opportunity to make more money. So we're not going to let you do it anymore. But for the record, the Pixel 1, the very first one, will always have this ability. Okay, but I don't use the Pixel 1 anymore uh, because it's an older phone. Older phone, older camera, not as good quality as the current models, of course. But point is that if you use the Pixel 1, you'll always have the future free uncompressed backup for photos and videos. The Pixel 2 will lose its ability to do that on January 16, 2021. And the Pixel 3, which what I currently have, loses the ability to do that on January 31st, 2022. So if I'm going to get a new phone, it'll be right before then. Because after that, no more free uh, uncompressed photo and video backups to the Google Photo Cloud. So, which is unfortunate. I'm sure by then I'll figure out what happens and maybe by then Google will change their mind. Uh, speaking about something that was lost though, uh, over the weekend, I saw this recording, uh, Fortnite had the The End event, which closes up Chapter 1, Season 10. It's, I don't play Fortnite, but it is the most popular video game in the world right now. And, and apparently when they close off a season, they do like a season ender in the game itself. So you go there at a specific time, they'll have the season ender, you witness it in the game. And this one apparently was pretty mind-blowing because it essentially killed the game, so to speak. That's why it's called The End, right? Missiles fell from the sky, blew up the island in Fortnite, and it ended up becoming a black hole, right? And then people tried to log in. It won't let them log in. Nobody could play Fortnite for over a day 
right? Which is a pretty impressive event to do. In fact, I think it was over, it was almost two days worth. Two days worth where people can't play Fortnite. Fortnite, a game that made so much money, got so much attention, they're at the Epic Games or Epic actually didn't let people play the game, which is amazing, which is crazy. It's crazy. But but yeah, now it's already up and running. So now they're at chapter two, season one. So yeah, this is the new chapter for Fortnite after this black hole event, which gained a lot of uh, attention from the media and from fans overall. It may actually arguably be the most watched video game event in history right now is is the black hole event, the the end event for Fortnite, which is pretty incredible. Um, because, you know, it has a lot of fans. And I say that because I need to do a segue to, speaking of fan reactions, Freddie Prince Jr., know him? Freddie Prince Jr. recently went on an epic Star Wars rant. Had a lot of F-bombs, though. Uh, I will play a little bit of clip, but I will edit out the F-bombs because I want to keep this podcast B13. But Freddie Prince Jr., if you don't know, uh, is the voice of of one of the best Jedis in uh, in Star Wars history, if you watch Star Wars, Star Wars Rebel. Watch Star Wars Rebel. Great show. Great show. Watch Clone Wars and watch Star Wars Rebels. Uh, fantastic show. But yeah, he played he played Jedi Knight Kanan Jarrus in that show. So he's he's deep in Star Wars. He worked under Dave Filoni, who Dave Filoni worked under George Lucas himself, right? And he's pretty much addressing the fact that all these uh, fanboys out there are are like bitching and complaining about Star Wars, right? Uh, I'm not one of them because I still like Star Wars, you know. And he kind of just went, I guess, on a side, side of kind of a rant, uh, just a reaction from all that all that toxicity that that the Star Wars fans are putting on to the world right now. Here, I'm just gonna play. I'll play. I'll, I'll play a little bit of it. You just pissed off that Han Solo gave the Millennium Falcon to a girl. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. it. Because Luke Skywalker Cinderella. Or Sleeping Beauty, yeah. okay? He can talk to things that don't speak English and understands what they're fucking saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He gets a fairy godfather instead of a fairy godmother who teaches him how to be the best Jedi in the world in no time flat. And everybody, like, I know more about the Force than most people because Dave Filoni taught me and George Lucas taught him. And all these video games have people up on what the Force is. Like, Luke's skill doesn't dictate whether he wins or loses. Right. The Emperor doesn't dictate whether he wins or loses. The Force dictates who wins or loses based on balance. And here's the the the, the quick version of how to explain it to all these people who think they get to decide. In the first, <laughs> if you want to do this, like, time-wise, Palpatine, you would... Okay, never mind. Uh, the clip is on, my sh- on the show notes. Feel free to click on it. Uh, take a listen. <laughs> so, yeah. But I would like to add to this. Like he, he said that he worked under Dave Filoni, who worked under George Lucas. And I know, I know a lot of the toxicity came from, from The Last Jedi. Well, The Last Jedi is maybe Ryan Johnson, who has said that he's, one of his main inspirations for The Last Jedi was Dave Filoni's work in Clone Wars and Rebels. Right? So it, it, it does follow along. Okay, it does follow along. Okay, but I'm not going to go on my own little rant about Star Wars here. So, but speaking of Disney-related stuff... Uh, Disney Plus is still coming out of this, uh, Disney Plus. Yeah, Disney Plus is still showing up on November 12th, very soon, less than a month away from this recording. Um, and Disney's on full steam ahead in terms of like promotion right now. And most recently, they released a three hours and 17 minutes long video showcasing everything coming to Disney Plus on November 12th. You can watch it on YouTube. It can pretty much be like a three hours and 17 minutes screensaver, you know, you know 
in the, in the background if you want to play it. But it's kind of impressive that they did it. They did like essentially a movie length, like a, a very epic, long, epically long movie length, just of previews, clips of everything coming out on Disney Plus on November 12th. So go ahead, check that out. And that's what's going on. And before I end this episode, just in case the listeners actually care. Who cares? <laughs> uh, you can find me, Albert, at uh, Twitter and Instagram at Albert5x5. You can find me on anything related to whowhatworsewhy.com. If you want to send us an email, send it to whowhatworsewhy at gmail.com. If you want to leave us a quick comment, leave it on our Facebook page or Instagram page or on the website itself. If you want to show your support, cause we need it. Head over to whowhatworsewhy.com slash support to find out how. Uh, one of the easiest ways for us to get more help is if we if we, there's more awareness on that we exist. And one of the easiest ways to do that is to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts, when they see a lot of those reviews and ratings, they'll put some attention to the podcast that's being rated and reviewed. So if you could do that for us, that'd be great. The more exposure we get for this podcast is, is good. Yeah, it, it's good. <laughs> okay. Music has been provided by the Y-Axis. Find them at theyaxis.com or yaxis.bankup.com or, or on the Facebook page or on their Instagram page and all that stuff, all that good stuff. Okay. All right, guys. Yeah. So it was just me. Uh, Ruthie was late, was stuck at work for a while. Jumping is out of the country. And I was debating whether I would have even kept this episode going, but I figured I might as well just record something really quick. But anyways, thank you. If you were if you were able to listen through all this me talking to myself, you know, well, soundboard is still with me. Say hello, soundboard. Hello. I really appreciate it. All right. Thanks for listening. This is episode 258 of the Stuff and Junk Show. Thanks for joining me. Us. I was gonna say us, but me. Until next time. This has been a podcast on Do What Works When Up. Bye.